Welcome to the HIF Player, bringing Harrogate International Festivals into your home. This event was recorded live at the Feakston Old Peculiar Crime Writing Festival. Enjoy. Hello everybody. That was a longer walk than I thought it was going to be. Uh, welcome along everyone. Yeah, my name is Richard Osman. If you don't recognise me, then congratulations on having a full-time job. <laughs> if you do recognise me, sorry to hear you've been ill recently. Um, first time at Harrogate Crime Festival, lovely to be here. First time ever in Harrogate as well, which is lovely. I know. Uh, man, you are easily pleased. Uh, <laughs> They told me it was posh, and they were not kidding. It really is, isn't it? The only, other, the only place I've been to that's posher than this was Henley-on-Thames. Uh, that was for a festival. And Henley-on-Thames is so posh, it's got a thatched waitrose. <laughs> they got where I'm from in... I will introduce everyone in a second, I promise you. But now I've started thinking about waitrose, I have to tell you a story. Which was, I was in my local waitrose uh, last Christmas, uh, down in Chiswick, and... Um, this story starts quite middle class and gets more middle class. So I was looking for that Malden sea salt. You know that stuff in the kind of carb of... Yeah, that's what I was... You, you know, yeah. <laughs> Let nobody tell me I do not know my audience. <laughs> so I was looking for some of that Malden sea salt, and I couldn't find it anywhere. I think they were all out. Uh, and I said to the, the, the kid walking by, I said, um, have you got any Malden sea salt? He said, no, no, we're all out. I said, no. He said, do you know why we're all out? I said, no. He said, people around here use it to grit their drives. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of people laughing, a few people going, yeah, that's fine, that's why I'd do that. <laughs> that was, I just have to say, there's one more thing, which is that's the same waitrose where I was standing there, and a lovely uh, lady, must have been 80 odd, very short, uh, looked at me and said, could you get me some rice from up there, please? I said, yeah, of course. So I got her some rice, gave it to her, and she said, thank you so much. Is there anything I can get you from down here? <laughs> Uh, welcome along to the room 101 of crime. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. I think we've got three amazing guests, uh, all of whom are just terrific crime novelists, and they've all got a lot to get off their chests. Would you please welcome Mark Billingham, Martin Waits, and Laura Lippman. <laughs> yeah, I'll go here. You're yeah? going at the M one? Yeah. Oh, Oh, that's a long walk, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's yeah, a long way. Good we get to sit down at the end of it. Uh, another long walk. I've just uh, added another 200 steps to my Fitbit for today. Okay. <laughs> lovely to have you here. Now, uh, lovely to be at the Harrogate Crime Festival. One of the things that's always struck me about this industry is you're always incredibly supportive of each other. Crime writers are incredibly supportive of each other. Um, then, of course, as soon as I come up, uh, Mark says, why don't we do a room one I want to crime? The worst things about crime fiction. <laughs> so I said, yeah, of course. Uh, quite apart from the fact it's just about the only TV show I don't present. But, um, <laughs> but let's do it anyway. Now, all of you have come up with uh, two things in crime yeah. fiction that we want to put in room 101. You're all huge fans of the genre, all masters of the genre as well. But there's a few things that rankle. And I know that you'll have some as well. I suspect at the end we're going to take a few questions as well. Uh, are we not? Um, should we just kick straight off yeah, with Mark Billingham? Yes. Well, what's, I your, mean, what's, what's your first entry for the Room 101 of crime well, fiction? Well, I think I'm speaking for a lot of, not just crime writers, but writers generally, when, when I want to put into Room 101, the one-star review. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, I gotta say, there's more authors in the room. I thought. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. The one, the people that take the one-star review, and I, and I do have some uh, written down because some of them actually just give you great material. Uh, this is this is a review of my second novel. Um, I received this book as a gift, and I assume the person who gave it me doesn't like me very much. <laughs> On the front, it says it's the best book Martina Cole has read in years. I can only assume it's the only book she's read in that period. <laughs> One star. <laughs> this, this is really my first novel. Bought used slash very good. Cover fell off as I opened it. Pages dingy brown. Looks tatty. Felt sick touching it. <laughs> Not read it yet. One star. <laughs> <laughs> Not read it yet. 
This was a standalone novel. I loved all the Thorn books, but this is a standalone book. So stand it alone in some petrol and burn it. <laughs> One star. And, and my particular favourite, again for another standalone, I'm sad to say this book continues a new style for Mark, where there is far too much detail relating to people's lives. <laughs> For there the second go. time in a row, only one person actually dies in the book. <laughs> and the whole story revolves around people's lives. And you have to guess who done it. <laughs> that's, that's never going to catch on, is yeah, it? Yeah, I was going to say. That's not happening. One star. A who done it book. I know. Um, those, were those all yours? Were, <laughs> no, I didn't write them. They're, uh... <laughs> Wait, I know, I know you didn't write them. I wrote them. Yeah, you wrote them. <laughs> no, they are genuine. I mean, it is a way to kind of cheer yourself up. It's actually slightly, slightly more enjoyable than it is depressing. Although the, one of my favourite ever reviews is, this is the best crime novel I've ever read. Four stars. <laughs> what have you got to do to get that fifth fucking star? Four stars. But you must have had some crackers. Come on, can't oh, just yeah. be me. Well, what I like do, you, do you guys all read your reviews? Is I it, don't it anymore. Thing? I don't. I don't do read not? my. I don't go to Amazon. I don't go to Goodreads. Although I just had the thing where a very noted American writer, you know, was like, "I'll give Sunburn four stars on Goodreads." And then later, she's like, it's the best book I've read this year. It's like, well, and, and, and it given other books five stars. And I'm like, I can't do the math. I don't get how this works. <laughs> I really, I don't anymore. I used to do the masochistic thing of Googling myself, seeking out my reviews, reading Amazon. And I think at one moment, it's like, you know, it's like almost had my hand hovering above, you know, the keyboard. And I was like, it felt like an addict or something. It felt sick. And I was like, this is obviously not healthy. And I really did. My theory on this is that the good news will get to you. The mm. bad news will get to you. Pay attention to who brings you which. Oh, oh that's Zed. <laughs> oh, yeah. Some very good friends yeah. will be very happy to tell you so sorrowfully about that horrible, horrible review you yeah. had. And they feel so bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just in Pe case you need them, they're here for you. People, t people tweet that all the time. They say, I'm oh, sorry about what they said in the paper. Yeah. You think, I didn't read the paper. And now I've heard now Not I've read just it. sorry about it. They'll go, sorry you missed it, and then put a link. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> sorry about the New York Times. Here yeah. it is. This is what you've got to yeah, click yeah. on to see. Just so you know, I don't think you are a twat. Yeah, oh, that's pretty much, that's pretty much what I okay. say. But people do that on Twitter now, though, don't they? You know, I, I just read the, the latest Martin Waits novel. It's awful. You know, and your name will be included yeah. Yeah. in that link. You have to say, well, thanks. Yeah. Why, why did you feel the need to tell me that? You know, that, or to include me in the conversation? Because then other people will join in as well. You say, can you just stop it now? No, don't add people. It's like, you know... I talk behind people's backs. It's called manners. <laughs> <laughs> That's what good people do. You it's know. interesting to know what they think your reaction is going to be. Is if you're, you're suddenly going to go, oh yeah, oh, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, I am pretty bad. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I so have to say, yeah, oh, yeah. God, so oh God, he's right. Yeah. This is what I've been doing wrong all these Thank years. Thank you so much, Jizmonster Seven Four One. What I've started doing now, if I get a one-star review on Amazon. Um, is looking to see what else they've reviewed. Oh, OK. Because, you know, just to try and get an idea of, of the person... Um, that's the, I, I got, I got um, a one-star review from, from my, my latest novel, so I had a look... And, uh, but it was just the way that he said it, you know, Martin Waits claims to live in the southwest. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 do. <laughs> I do. I don't claim. I do. You know, I mean, you know... It'd be so, a ballsy claim if you did. It was, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this one as yeah. well, you know. Oh, sorry to bring it up. That's good. Um, but... <laughs> As long no. as you don't say the chase at any point, we're fine. All right. <laughs> all challenge accepted. Um, but yeah, you know, and I love to see what. And, and he'd, he'd gone through a whole list of this guy. He'd gone through a whole list of crime writers. One star, you know, one star, one star. The things he'd given five star reviews to were a box of latex gloves. <laughs> And a review for a self-published book about escort porn, written Ooh. by a man. And he'd said in it, he's one of the few men in this genre that knows what it feels like from a woman's point of view. And I thought... <laughs> wow. 
There's so much yeah. there that I could have won. You know, this genre. 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 Genre of escort porn. One of the few men. One of the few men. Who were the other men who were writing <laughs> in this genre of escort porn? Well, Amazon's great data should be able to say, if you like. Yeah. Then you like. Or if you, if you don't like Martin Waits, <laughs> yes. you, you, you might like escort porn. escort porn. What Jennifer has to do for the money. That's you know. <laughs> What's the worst review you've ever had, Mark? Anything really stick in your mind? Um, it, it, it's, it's, it's not the ones that appear online. It's the ones, that, like Laura said, when people tell you that horrible passive-aggressive stuff. Uh, where you're, you know, uh, you're maybe you're, you're doing a book signing, signing, and you're just sort of lining your books up, and somebody will just lean past you and go, "Well, I thought it was good," and then just leave. And you, <laughs> what? So who thought it was bad? It's all, I mean, I'm, I'm amazed you, you can you, you can genuinely say you don't read them anymore, Laura. That is a brave stance. I just wish I was that. Or I'm maybe cowardly, or just maybe very averse. But it wasn't doing me any good. I mean, uh -huh. I really. I mean, it was that moment when I caught myself. I was like someone about to cop. I know that doesn't make sense, but I felt like an addict on the verge of getting whatever hit I needed. And it's like I'm going to put my name in the Google box and something's going to come back and it might be great and it might be... I'm just like, this is not good. Mm. It makes you feel better about Amazon reviews. Can I go slightly off topic for a minute? Because yeah. my brother sent me something recently and it's Amazon reviews, okay, but it's not crime. So he sent me this thing. Forgive me for using my phone. I always wanted to do a chat show where the host is on his phone. And, he's, and uh, it goes, uh, my guest today, uh, Mark Billingham. Mark, now you've... Oh, hold on one second. <laughs> uh, just, yeah, anyway, uh, so he sent me this thing, and this is Amazon Reviews, but it's, the, it's, it's, um, it's Amazon Reviews of... Uh, it's, so TripAdvisor Reviews, forgive me. So TripAdvisor Reviews, the same principle, of the level crossing outside Abbey Road. You know, the Beatles level crossing. And there's thousands of reviews of this. And here's some of them. It's really just a zebra crossing. Two stars. <laughs> it's just a road. Three stars. Traffic ruined it. Three stars. <laughs> Could be a pedestrian crossing anywhere, really. Three stars. <laughs> but this one, un unpack this after I say it. Unpack this one. Excellent if you love the Beatles. Very good otherwise. Five stars. <laughs> <laughs> so he's going, if you are not a fan of the Beatles, you can... I would recommend mm. you go to the Suburban Zebra Crossing. <laughs> yeah. It has really got a lot to give us. So Amazon one-star reviews, should we put them into Room 101? Should we do oh, it by I acclamation so. this evening? Huh? Should we do it by acclamation? Why not? Um, who thinks we shouldn't? <laughs> There's the people that work for Amazon. Is, is that the guy who write, who's reading the um, escort yeah. porn? Yeah. Yeah. He's got his latex yeah. gloves yeah. on. Yeah, you're yeah. snapping them on. I think they would be an outrage. Uh, who thinks it should go into room 101? Yeah! yeah. In it Dave. goes. In it goes. Very well done, Mark. Now, Laura, you've given me a couple as well. The first one is about uh, an inciting incident that often happens, too often in crime novels. There are so many crime novels, from the very worst to the very best. Some of the award-winning crime novels, they're worthy, they deserve it, they're fabulous, I love them, and yet so much of the crime genre can be reduced to this. A beautiful woman dies, and a man feels bad about it. <laughs> Maybe he did it. Maybe he's the father, maybe he's the lover, maybe he's the ex-husband, maybe he's the detective. But in a beautiful woman, you don't even get to know her. She's a MacGuffin. She's a thing. She's an object that it, that's all about the, the male's pain. Oh, this beautiful woman is dead. I feel so bad. Don't worry how she feels. She's doing just fine. <laughs> and I mean, it really is. I mean, I think the thing that troubles me is that it's the springboard to so much good stuff. I mean, The Night Of, the HBO television series. Um, a book I love, Mystic River. Mm. A beautiful girl dies and a man feels bad about it. And I think the thing that worries me so often in crime fiction as a woman writing crime fiction is I don't want to see women's bodies used just as clues or red herrings or the, the MacGuffin that kicks it into action. I'd like to be reminded 
that the woman is a person, that she had a life, that she had agency. And the book that does it most brilliantly in a way that I love is, it sounds self-referential, you know, is Laura, which is written by a woman, which is a beautiful woman dies and a man feels bad about it, but, oh, spoiler alert, by the way, she's not actually dead. Oh, you're kidding oh, me. Sorry. I'm literally on page oh, seven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was, honestly, I just got to the point where I think this is right up my street. A beautiful yeah. woman's died. There's a guy, he's unhappy about it. Oh, lovely. Oh, yeah, I'll, settle, yeah. I'll settle in for my flight. Yeah, okay. I, I, um, and is, is that changing at all? That, uh, is, it, is it got less prevalent? No, it's gotten worse in some ways. It's just gotten more tarted up, if you will. And it tends to take itself more seriously sometimes. I mean, I mean, I almost feel bad for a lot of reasons talking about the HBO show True Detective. But the thing about True Detective is it came on the scene and for the, it kept saying, this is different. This is going to end in a way that no crime novel has ever ended. This is going to have an explanation that is so philosophical that will blow your mind. And, oh, it's just an old creep in a house. <laughs> oh, yeah, never read that one before. Never seen that one before. And, I mean, I will say that when it's done well. I, I love the book Mystic mm. River. It's done well. It's executed beautifully. I, w I, have, I wouldn't want it not to be in the world. I mean, the thing about crime fiction right now is there are a lot of people who are writing it and producing it for film and television who have never actually read it. Mm. And so they, first of all, they think they're very daring and they think they're very bold. I'm going, I'm doing something no one's ever done before. Well, you know, before you decide that, maybe read a few books. <laughs> you know, they're so, they're, they're disdaining it and they're con temptuous of it, and they're trying to rip it off at the same time. That's a terrible combination. That's like television. People endlessly pitching me quiz shows. It's better than anything on telly. You go, oh, no, that, that is on telly. That, that, uh, <laughs> yeah. That's been on the last four years. Yeah. It's, uh, it's like... um, what do you think, when you're choosing a victim, stuff, how, how, how much are you looking at the world around you and how much are you looking at classic fiction? What's the kind of... Um, what, what are the... the well, I, mean, uh, I, I always think that it's... That, that, I mean, I think Laura's absolutely right. The thing that annoys me most is that... Somebody is dead for no reason other than to provide a set of clues for a detective to solve them and show either how clever they are or their emotional range or something, you know, and there's never a sense of loss. You know, I mean, this, this was always the problem that I had with Agatha Christie, that, that somebody died but nobody got hurt. One star. Ooh. One star, yeah. <laughs> That's such a good phrase, though. You know, that, that, and it was just to prove how clever a detective was. And I think this is still going on, but in a different format. So I think the first thing, that if, if you're a writer, if somebody has to die in the book that you're writing, there has to be a reason. And you have to feel, in that book, a sense of loss for it. You know, and you have to, as, as a writer, ex, you know, experience that in it so that you can, so the reader can experience it. I know there's not many laughs in saying that, but, you know, it is true. That's, that's what you need from a, from a good book. And, you know, and it is just so easy to try and fall back on that. I mean, especially if, if the, the beautiful girl is also a prostitute. Oh, uh, prostitutes are fantastic. They're so wonderful to kill. Yeah. And then I mean, there's these books you, in which... You realise that's the quote that's going yeah, on. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Prostitutes are fantastic, Laura Lippmann. No, I mean, they're literally so these books yeah. where... The murder of many, many people is about the character development of the investigator. It's like, well, gosh, 17 prostitutes were murdered and dismembered, but I learned to hug my kid. <laughs> Happy ending, fade out. I mean, it's like, oh, yeah, those 17 dead women, that's worth it if you learn to be a better dad. I know what, I think it's marginally, a marginally better trope than beautiful woman dies and man doesn't give a shit about it. Like it's marginally better than that. But, but what it is, it's that thing of, Raymond Chandler very famously said this thing that if you don't really know what to do, if you're struggling to know where to go in the story, just have someone come through the door with a gun. Yeah. And, and there's a sort of crime novel where you feel like the writer has gone, oh, let's just kill somebody else. I'll just have another body. Uh, and it's that sort of subgenre of slasher novel where somebody, a, a cop or a forensic scientist, will usually say, he will kill again when the moon is full. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Willie. Oh, okay. Uh, and, you know, it's just victim 12, victim 13. You yeah. don't get to know or engage with the victims or care about them. That's what's, li that's what's missing, is, is caring. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's something none of us like, really. They're so almost horror stories, in a way. It's about a monster, and the monster's going to rampage until he's stopped by the good investigator, but 
the who has to learn to be good. Learn to be good. Learn mm. to be good. But it's exactly like real life. Well, exactly. Yeah. You know, I mean, that is, <laughs> that's is, the good news. You know, I mean, every single police detective will tell you that yeah. that's their life on a daily basis. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. <laughs> um, Laura, before we decide whether to put that into room 101, how would you sum that up in a sentence, just so we can put it in a box and send it off? Um, I'm tired of reading books in which a beautiful woman dies and a man feels bad about it. <laughs> Shall we put, I'm tired of reading books where a beautiful woman dies and a man feels bad about it into room 101? It's I, in. Yeah. It's in. I would love... I would love to have done the other way around and said, should we not, and hear the cheers. I'd love to put lights on. There would still be that, that one same guy going, I'm so fine with it. <laughs> He's got the latex gloves. Yeah, yeah. there he is. Uh, Martin, now, um, you've got two ones. One of yours is sort of about uh, there being too much research, and one of them is about not being enough research. Which one should we go with? Should we go with the, well, the injuries or the over-explaining? start with the over-explaining, okay. I think. Because, I mean, the, that's what... This, this bugs me so much when I read a novel. That especially if it's a police procedural, that you have characters who, who you think, or, you, or will tell you, that they, they work together on a daily basis, and they do this job together, and they've done it for years on a daily basis, yet for some reason in this novel, they insist on telling each other what their jobs are. You know, so, <laughs> good evening, Detective Inspector Reynolds. Well, good evening, Detective Sergeant Bright, who was a rank lower than me. <laughs> Has Detective Constable Wife arrived, who was a rank lower than you again? Yes, 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 she's here as well. Good. We have a murder victim. Has the pathologist arrived yet? No, because, as you know, they have to come from Catterick, and the only way they can come <laughs> is through by helicopter. Has the helicopter been booked for them? Well, as you know, we have to go through a procedure. It's bullshit. It's absolute bollocks. You know, these people People know each other. And, and likewise, you know, when you, you get to a book and, and somebody wants to cram their, 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 their research into it, just shoehorn it in somewhere. And it's like, oh, we're chasing the killer. The killer has gone to the lighthouse. The lighthouse? Yes, in 1877. <laughs> <laughs> this coast was particularly treacherous, especially for ships which came down from Glasgow to Liverpool. So this was one of the first lighthouses put in the area. Interestingly, the light itself was a quite revolutionary in a site. Who cares? Yeah, yeah. He's gone to the lighthouse. Let's go. <laughs> you know, and, and you just... I, it just... You know, it just really, really annoys me. That, that how, much, how much of that is, and you, you'll all admit, so presumably you have an idea of a word count that's needed for whatever deadline you've got. <laughs> there, must, there must be a temptation to go, I could do 500 words on this fucking lighthouse. It's not about... <laughs> I mean, I it's really... Never, no, I could, honestly. I could, I could Wikipedia the rest of the day away. I never, <laughs> it's never about the word count. It's about wanting to avoid those letters. Uh, that when they were letters would usually be written in green ink. They would always be in green ink. Oh. And now they're emails, often just in capitals. Um, and you're trying to avoid the letters that just go, Dear Mr... And that's the voice I always hear them in when I'm reading them. <laughs> Dear Mr... My enjoyment of your otherwise excellent novel was spoiled by the fact that that train doesn't stop at that station on a Wednesday and a Friday. And it's like, oh... <laughs> the thing is, you're always going to get them. But yeah. you think if you do enough research, you might get fewer of them. And, you, but, and you there's don't. also the temptation to think that I've done this research, I had to suffer, so I'm going to make damn sure that the yeah. reader is yeah, as yeah. Well. So, yeah, but, yeah, I mean, I, I got one of those letters as well. You know, <laughs> the, um, well, no, it was an email, I, and I, I've, I've mentioned it before, but um, it was one of my... When I, I, I wrote it was Tanya Carver, and I'd set a series of books in Colchester, uh, the, the serial killer capital of Britain. And um, <laughs> there was not, one... Not for long. Not for <laughs> long. <laughs> and there was one, you know, that I'd set in this, this derelict house at the bottom of, of East Hill in Colchester. I got an email from a woman saying, uh, again, it was, you know, uh, dear Ms. Carver, my enjoyment of your otherwise excellent novel, etc., etc., was spoiled because she said, you know, I take this journey to work every day. I get the bus up East Hill, and I was reading your novel, and I looked out of the window, and that house wasn't there. And this ruined the book for me. And I thought, for one thing, I thought, you know, it's only pretend. I mean, you know, there's, there's a kid in there in a, in a cage in the basement, you know. That, so, I mean, it's only pretend for a start. But for another thing, the house is there. You know, because I, I researched it. I went there and, you know, because you know, exactly, because it's going to be in the book, because I had to go there and take photos of it. And so I thought, shall I reply? Shall I? No, I'll not reply. And luckily, as it happened, I, I did the right thing, because the next day I got another email from us saying, um, uh, I'm really sorry, I was looking out the wrong side of the bus window. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> but, you know, part of it is, is that writers do fall in love with their research, and they've done the research, and they don't want to waste it, and they want to use it. Look, I was a reporter, a newspaper reporter, for 20 years. I don't 
I mean, research to me is just secondhand, it just, it's second nature. It doesn't matter. I'm not that proud of it. And I'll meet these report, you know, these writers, and like, oh, I did so much research for my novel. I did so much research for my novel. Like, what did you do? I rode in a cop car for four hours, and like, and then like every detail of, it. and they're in love with everything they know, and they can't, they can't bear to jettison any of it. It's like, well, I found out, you know, and I've had the letters like, dear Ms. Littman, I don't know how you sleep at night, <laughs> given the errors you have made about firearms and telecommunications. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All cops, of, all, uh, all writers have, have uh, ridden in cop cars, though, right? You all go hang out with uh, the police. That must be quite cool. Well, I've never done that. But they I, really? I, I, I mean, I... Such an amateur. I know. <laughs> Dear Mr. White. At least White. you're not yeah. bragging about it in the bar. Yeah. I wonder if you know that police cars in this country are not green. You wouldn't know if you'd been in one. But, Mark, you must have, you must have hung out with the police sometimes. But you must, you know, sometimes if, if, if a novel is about a different world or an unusual world, uh, you want a little bit of uh, background, don't you? You want a little bit of research. You want a little bit of, uh, you know, looking behind the curtain. You want to find that one perfect thing. Yeah, I mean, often it's about a location. It's more, it, it, when I have gone out with cops and ridden along, done exactly what you were no, just No, I've done about. it too, but I, uh, I'm not bragging about it. But actually, it's not about, oh, I need to know what that's called and what's the acronym for that and what do you know. Is, it's just about hearing them talk to each other. It's just about the banter and, you know, what they call one another and the stupid nicknames. They, and you find out these stories, they tell you these stories, and you, they're irresistible. And they're always the bits that you put in the book that people go, that's ridiculous. I was in this station, they've all got nicknames, and uh, the woman who was escorting me around goes, this is, you know, whatever, this is him. This is uh, two cats. And when I went, what, what? <laughs> she said, that's two cats. And I said, why is he called two cats? And they're out in a cut there. <laughs> this poor bloke is out on patrol one day, him and his mate driving along, and they hit a cat. They run a cat over. She says, oh my God, we've hit a cat. So they pull over, they both get out of the car, and they both go in different directions looking for this cat that they hit. Uh, and he's walking along, and he finds the cat just sprawled out on the pavement like that, going, <laughs> you know, on his last legs. And the bloke goes, I, 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 I better finish him off. So he takes his truncheon out and he finishes this poor cat off, just in time to hear his mate go, I found the dead cat. <laughs> <laughs> Just, just as this woman comes out of her house going... <laughs> Cat's just asleep on the pavement. So, this is a completely true story, and you're like, this is gold. I'm just having yeah. that. But, but that's like, good research. That's, that's good what research. you yeah, want to put that... in. <laughs> I mean, listen, this is, listen, you've got to try and get stuff into one room 101. It's quite hard to get into room 101 after we've just heard that story about yeah, the, the wonders of research. You're, oh, you're, you're, you're acting against me. I'm sorry. <laughs> by exclamation, should we put too much research into room 101? Yeah. No, it sounds ooh, like that. So should we, should we, because of the two cat story, keep it out? Yeah. There we go. It's not going into room one of our He beat you you're, with a You're dead to me. Oh, <laughs> my God. Uh, before we go around for the second time, I, I asked Mark if I could come up with one as well. So I have, although it's, it's, it's sort of, um, it's, some, it's slightly based on Mark in some ways. Uh, and, oh, some other it? and, it, and it's this, which is all detectives have a music taste which absolutely reflects the music taste of the person writing and not the music taste of any detective that's ever lived in the real world. <laughs> so this is what I'll say. I've done a list of things that a detective in a book will listen to in the car, right? And then I've done a list of things that detectives in real life will actually listen to in the car, all right? <laughs> okay. These are the things that cops in books written by certain writers would listen to. <laughs> Hank Williams. Mark. Uh, Miles Davis. Vorjak. Early Stones. Early Stones. <laughs> Nick Cave. Johnny Cash. Ella Fitzgerald. Some Scottish band only Ian Rankin has ever heard of. <laughs> and B.B. King, but not when he started working with you too. Now, those yeah. are in detective books, those are the only ones you'll ever hear. Now, this is what detectives actually listen to uh, in the car. Um, Guess the year on Magic FM <laughs> and Stephen Gerrard's autobiography on audiobook. <laughs> now, those are the things, but it's in all of these books, you see the, the, the music taste, all sorts of things. Very, the, writers seem to want to pass on recommendations. Would that be the nice way of putting it? I think it, it's absolutely right. I mean, when I, when I wrote the, the first book as Tanya Carver, 
and you know, and I was writing under a female pseudonym. Um, Val McDermott read it, and she said the only way she could tell it wasn't a woman writing it was there was the detective was listening to music all the time, <laughs> and it was blokes' music, you know. So, it was <laughs> and there was it was some obscure B-side from. And it was, yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, it, it was it was early Warren's even. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> which is yeah, which is what I was listening to when I was writing it, exactly. and early Neil Young. Whereas every other cop is actually listening to Erasure, a little respect. Yeah. Uh, but Mark, you have a lot of country in your uh, things, which is which is what you like, right? Um, I, I, it is what I like, and and sometimes you do have to do a lot of research that we were just talking about about all sorts of things. The last thing you want to research is what your copper's listening to. You know, give him a taste that you really don't share, so that you have to then find out about this stuff. So he just oh, listens that's to the what... last thing you want to do is yeah, be true to life. I'm yeah, goodness. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it's like you, Martin. Martin said this a lot. A lot of cops listen to jazz. Personally, I hate jazz. But they always listen to jazz, and it's always some trendy kind of... It's like modern Icelandic jazz, or it's kind of, you know... Uh, it's never Kenny Ball and his jazzmen. <laughs> never! It's never Acker Bilk, is no. it? Nobody ever listens to trad jazz, just because no. it's not cool. They never listen to When the Saints Go Marching no. In. No! It's always Miles Davis or something. You kind of cool the trend. You have plenty of music, Laura. I, I do, actually. I'm totally guilty of this. And I, I'm pretty sure that, especially when I was writing a character who felt very close to me, I gave her my musical taste because I could. It's like, here's a person who listens to Chet Baker. Here's a person who likes yes, Ella Fitzgerald yes, and Sarah Vaughan. Yeah. Um, yeah, on the list. But at the same time, so I think this is kind of a gender thing, as you know, you've just... And you know, I, I live in a household where... I'm constantly, I'm, I'm in a quiz show that never ends. It's like an it's episode what, of Black Mirror. <laughs> no, it's like, like, you know, I'm out to lunch with my husband. Oh, do, you, do you hear that music on the PA? Laura, do you know who's playing the guitar? I'm like, I don't know who's playing the guitar. I'm sorry. You don't like, care who's playing the guitar. <laughs> or like suddenly like, okay, wait, do you know who didn't die on the plane with, you know, the big bopper and funny Holly? I'm like, wait was minute, it Waylon Jennings? But so I do, I mean, but I would have to say that of all the sins in crime writing, this is one that bothers me not at all. It just mm. doesn't bug me. Right, well, I'm trying to get into room 101. You're a guest of mine, so... Oh, oh <laughs> well, sir, uh, obviously this you. is um, uh, I've written a little homage uh, to, uh, to, a, to a detective who likes country music. I've called him, I couldn't think of a surname, I've called him Thorn. <laughs> so I'll read this out and then we'll decide it shouldn't go into room 101. Thorn poured himself a glass of whiskey and let Hank Williams soothe his troubled soul. Hank's steel guitar worked its magic as Thorn wondered about the expertise of the killer decapitating his victims and then invisibly sewing their heads on back to front. <laughs> Thorne knew that only he could catch the killer they knew as the Owl Man. <laughs> Hank Williams sang, I'm so lonesome I could cry. You and me both, mused Thorne. There we go. Can I have that? Can I have that? Um... I'm very comfortable with that not going to room 101, but anyone like it to go into room 101? Yeah. It's quite My nice people! <laughs> it is quite nice, and you do pick up good recommendations. Also, crime writers, I notice, are very good at referencing other crime writers in their work. If someone's reading a book, it's always a crime writer they like, and they, they recommend it, which I think is very, very good of you. Uh, Mark, let's go round again, shall okay, we? This is we I think one? we can get through this. I think we only, we we're running out of time, but we can get through this fairly quickly. So again, I think I'm speaking for a lot of crime writers. It really bugs me. And there will be bad language. I need to warn you about that. Uh, it's readers who love reading books about murder and mayhem, but don't like it if there's any bad language. Uh, people that will pick up a book off a shelf and go, oh, I love a bit of crime fiction, what's in this? Oh, murder, rape, child abuse, incest, all my favourites. Oh, swearing, heavens no. <laughs> Completely <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> and, and they write to let us know about it. They really do. And again, these are all genuine emails. Dear Mr Billingham, I was given a copy of your book, Buried. Given a copy. Still fucking complaining about it. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> given a copy. I read the first two pages and I threw it away. Having spent 12 years in the Royal Navy, the word neither shocks nor upsets me, but any writer who sees fit to use that word three times in two pages needs a serious look at a dictionary. <laughs> now, I wouldn't normally have responded, but he'd <laughs> spelt dictionary wrong. <laughs> I win! No, he genuinely had. 
dictionary. So I wrote back and dear sir, I'm terribly sorry you're offended, and perhaps if you'd stuck with it, you'd have seen the use of that word was justified. And on reflection, perhaps you're the one that needs to look at a dictionary. That way you'd know how to spell dictionary. <laughs> and he wrote back again this time, he was the one that was swearing. Didn't go well after that. Um, <laughs> dear, Dear Mr. Billingham, I have read most of your books and enjoy them. The storyline's good as other characters, but I find the level of bad language detracts from my enjoyment. You will think me an old fogey. However, I was born and raised in one of the poorest parts of London and worked for many years in industry, so I am accustomed to routine swearing. I just think that your female characters would be better and more attractive <laughs> if they swore less. Don't get me wrong, the shagging is top class. <laughs> It is the weirdest thing. Yeah, it's it not. is the weirdest, weirdest thing that, pe that people will generally get, genuinely get upset. That not, not the murder, not the body, no matter how many bodies, but if somebody finds a body and then swears, it's, uh, it's outrageous. I mean, you get these kind of things, right? I mean, it's I, just. I, I, I was sitting there actually thinking about. So I worked at newspapers, and my father had worked at newspapers, and one time I used a very, very minor profanity in front of my father. I mean, it really might have been like damn or hell. And he sighed. He was a southern gentleman, and he sighed and said, I'm afraid that newspaper work coarsens a woman. <laughs> <laughs> and he spelt coarsens wrong. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> that was the thing. Have you got a lot of swearing in your, uh, your oeuvre? Well, I do. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I like inventive swearing. Mm. I, like, I like trying to put swear words in between, you know, like, it's in-fucking-evitable. Brilliant, great. <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, because that, that's, that's, to me, is, is clever use of language. So but, count as three words on a word count or one? <laughs> it depends what you use a hyphen as. <laughs> Do you find, by the way, that people don't like uh, um, when you hurt animals in books? They, oh. they like it far less than <laughs> oh, humans. Yeah, no. Well, again, that's something crime writers joke about, that you can do anything you like to people. You know, crime, you know, crime readers will take almost any amount of brutality, but you touch the hair on an animal's head. <laughs> and those readers will come after you. My new book is about cat killing. It generally is 450 dead cats in the book. Like, you know, oh, none of it happens that. on the so page. after 449, I know there's another one to come. Yeah. <laughs> but it is, it's based on a real case, the, the, the Croydon cat killer. And the, the book before that was about so-called honour killing. But the cat killing book is the most controversial book I've written. In, in terms of people who have been coming up to me after events and going, with a little tremble in their lip, and going, I can't read that book. <laughs> And I'm going, well, you were fine with all the murder and everything, but the, the fictional cats, you yeah, can't... They it's won't very have it. weird. It's uh, very weird. So what do we think? Should we put people who complain about swearing into Room 101? Oh, yes. Yes. I think so. And it goes, Laura, you have a particular phrase that you're objecting to. And it's so complicated. I mean, it's... It's a phrase that's intended as a compliment. It's a phrase when it's used in a review or someone who's talking to you. They think that they're flattering you so that they've handed you this great honor and they say, oh, this is a crime novel that transcends the genre. Oh. <laughs> I mean, there's so much wrong with it. I mean, it's just wrong as a phrase because it assumes that there's this flat plane of crime fiction and it's just all kind of the same and there's something levitating up here but if crime fiction is a plane then it's a plane that includes Raymond Chandler and Agatha Christie and you know James Elroy and Ruth Rendell and I mean I can go on and on I mean I don't wish to levitate upon the plane that includes those people and I just think it's a very poor image and I it it's it's almost a tired argument by this point, because I understand that in the UK, crime fiction this year as a genre exceeded units sold of all the other... Oh, yeah. 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 We, there are, there are like... an awful lot of BMWs in the car park. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there's this, cons this persistent... Oh, I don't know if I should tell this story. I'm, I'm at that little moment tell of... It. Tell <laughs> it. <laughs> 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 so my husband is kind of famous, he created The Wire. And, and I was at a big New Yorker party one time and Zadie Smith came running up to him, like, David Simon, David Simon, you have taught novelists how to write dialogue. I'm like, not this one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing fine on my own. But there's that persistent thing of, 
It's a no-win game because the definitions keep changing. It's, you know, they, they say there's a formula, and no, there's not a formula, and they say, I mean, basically, crime fiction is judged by its lowest common denominator, right. and literary fiction is judged by its highest common denominator, and then when a great crime writer comes along, let's just say Daniel Woodrell, for example, who definitely started within the mainstream of crime fiction, like, oh, but he's a literary writer. He's ours now. And it's almost like you feel like you're picking people for teams. Yeah. And the other team is always like, oh, no, that one's ours now. No, that one's ours too. And they're like, well, you took, but what? what? But they're ours. It's like, what is a literary crime? I mean, I mean there's all subgenres of crime novel, you know, historical crime, whatever. But, a, but the literary crime novel, I don't get that. What do they mean? They just mean a good one. Yeah, that's Which what they what mean. We're it's all super, trying to write, but it's yeah. like they go, "That's oh. too, that's too good for you." We're, we're, we're yeah, up. it's we're ours now. Yeah. Nick Hornby years ago was when he did that column for McSweeney's. He talked about Mystic River again, which I've already expressed my admiration for, and he said, "I don't know. It seems to me that if you write a proper novel that does everything that you would have a novel do." and someone solves a crime in it, that's like how many angels can you get to dance on the head of a pin? You know, how is that not better if you can meet the requirements of the two genres? And so, I mean, I just hate this idea that people compliment you by insulting the thing that you're doing. It, yeah. You know, it's like... It's the oh. idea that the genre needs transcending. Well, you I, know. Yeah. I, I think it's because you get literary reviewers who will read a crime novel and enjoy it and think, oh, my God, I've enjoyed a crime novel. You know, this, I, I shouldn't feel like... A, it, it's, it goes back to that thing that books should be improving. Yeah. Books, you know, books should be hard work. They should be improving. Yeah. I, this is a difficult novel to read. Yes, it is a difficult novel to read, but I'm going to read it. You know, and then you read something and you think, my God, this is saying everything that that difficult novel was saying, and it's telling a better story yeah. with it as well. It's like Will Self very famously goes, I've written an unreadable novel. And you go, oh, well done, mate. Literally. Well done. <laughs> we, can, we can all do that. Um, but it is, it's, it's, uh, the thing I really hate is when you get those roundups at the end of the year, or sometimes in summer where they'll go, the best literary fiction, the best non-fiction, the be and then they'll go, Guilty pleasures. Oh, I can't. Oh, oh that's it. the worst. And I mean, it's that's us. the same and thing. And these are the books you read, but they're Why? guilty and pleasures. Why are they guilty pleasures? It's so annoying. Yes. You know? I know, but you know what? Count the money. Oh, um, <laughs> but you know what? There are a lot of really, really good crime writers who aren't making that much money, and they suffer from this misapprehension that, well, we don't have to worry about taking them seriously because they've sold out. And they're far more fantastic crime writers who aren't getting anywhere near the readership or the cash they deserve because it's a big field and you know not everyone's going to break through the top and then to have this thing put down on top of it which is and you're not even that good to begin with. Or so like, well, for a prostitute, you smell kind of nice. You know, it's like, it's not so bad. Like, <laughs> you seem obsessed with prostitutes. So we think that, that, that the, uh, the snobbishness, essentially, of, uh, of our cultural commentators to the crime novel... Uh, yeah, is, and the is, hostility is, to pleasure. Mm. The hostility, the to, hostility pleasure. to pleasure. That's I don't a good, get that's that. That's a good title of a book. Not a crime book, a proper book. Shall we put it in room 101? Oh, yeah. yeah. We, we need to go to question. Uh, well, well, let's do a yeah, quick yeah. one. Let's do Martin's first one, then we'll right, go to question. We've got a couple of minutes. Uh, yours is a, is, a, is a classic of the genre, I think. Well, I think so, too. I mean, it's, it, in, in its shortened for, form, it's detectives who get shot in the shoulder. <laughs> and, <laughs> which you may not think is something, but, but not. I mean, you know, how many times have you seen a film or read a book and you go, ah, oh, I get shot in the shoulder, but it's fine. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not fine. You can lose an arm. You know, this is where all the nerves are. The, the very least that you get mm. is, is a dead arm that you can't move and you need you know, <laughs> physiotherapy for. Yeah. You know, the, and they're, and, always, and, they're always climbing, like, uh, ladders in sewers. Oh, yeah, that's it, and get yeah. shot at. Ah! It's really... Ah! ah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and, it's, and, and it's, but it's the whole idea of the detective. They'll, they'll get shot, or they'll get severely beaten up by 12 blokes and drag themselves back home and lie in the bath with a whiskey and think, well, that's better. Right, let's... <laughs> <laughs> and off they go again, you know. They might listen just... to some country music while they're lying yeah, in the bath. They could do. <laughs> so you think or, you... Some, or some jazz. Yes, yeah, some jazz. So you, think, so you think a lot of crime books would be improved by a good six-month period of physiotherapy yeah. in the middle? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Small Vices by Robert B. Parker, which 
was part of the Spencer series, is my favorite Spencer novel. Spencer takes a bad injury and spends most of the novel in recovery toward his way toward a, a very small act of vengeance at the end. And I love that novel. I love people showing what it's like really to be hurt, what, what it costs, what the rehabilitation is. To me, that's fascinating. Well, I, think, I think that when you're five pages from the end and they just got a shoulder injury, you're thinking, I'm not going to be looking at the whole rehabilitation process here. <laughs> I, no, I, think, I think he's gone up that ladder. But it never comes at the end, though. It comes somewhere fairly early on where they can just have it patched up and then and off they go again. Off they go. But I mean, I did it with my very first novel. You know, I, I, the, the hero <laughs> got beaten up halfway through and then I thought, actually, if I want to be realistic about it. And so yeah, there was this big, long period when he was in hospital, you know, and he had to be in hospital so he could come out again, you know, so, and, and mend himself, because I thought, I'm, I'm not going to be one of those writers. You're just thinking that. this book is going to go so long unless he goes private. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we put the, the unrealistic superhero efforts oh, of, uh, of, of Shot the Texas into Room 101? Yeah. We shall indeed. Yeah. Uh, we've got ten minutes left, I think. Shall we have uh, anyone in the audience who would either last to ask a question or volunteer something for, uh, for the Room 101 of crime? Hello. Hello. My name's Hello. Anne. Um, I'm nearly 70 and um, never was an oil painting, but I don't know about anybody else around here, I get fed up of all these ladies being beautiful women. Why can't they just be plain, ordinary women? Because there's far more of us around than there are stunts. <laughs> That's a good one. Okay. I would put that straight into 101. Why can't, why can't we be killed? Why can't we be murdered? Yeah. <laughs> it's about time. It's so unfair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Equality, please. But you have, as soon as you get a male character in any book who's ugly or has dandruff or something, they're the bad guy always. There's never no. a hero with dandruff. Oh, why is there always a hero? Um, or not always. But, you know, there's a guy in his late 50s who's alcoholic and probably got type 2 diabetes, yet it's the 20-year-old woman who falls for him. Yeah. yeah, and it's usually written by a writer in his late fifties who's an alcoholic <laughs> with type two diabetes. You know, it's so. weird. I guess psychologists could work for years. To I know work that's out it. The, yeah, I mean, who who could work that one out? Mm, <laughs> Howard, uh, anybody else got something they'd like to put in? It's a long way back. We've already discovered that. Yeah. <laughs> it's in Nesbrook. <laughs> Hello. Um, can I take the opportunity to um, a gripe that I have that probably doesn't affect you, but um, as you speak to lots of other writers, you could might perhaps mention it to them. We're all leaning forward now. <laughs> right. Well, there, there are 26 letters in the alphabet, but often you have maybe six or seven characters, and maybe two of them have the same letter beginning, you know, the, their um, name, is uh, like Beth and um, Bryony. And when you're reading quickly, the two letters, you can sometimes get confused. I'm sure I'm not the only one who thinks, why can't you choose diff um, different letters of the alphabet for different names instead of the names being with the same letter? Finally, someone said it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, sir. It wasn't such yeah. a stupid question. No. Thank you. No, no, no. <laughs> Uh, but it's, often people, if people, presumably you choose names that are quite Edit, different to each editors other. Editors do tend to point that stuff yeah, out to you when do. you do it. They do. You do realise you've got three characters' names again with S, and you, and you change them or you try, but maybe we don't always listen. Or you've got two characters called Keith. <laughs> yes, yeah, <that's>, <laughs> <laughs> It's or this character has actually changed name three times over the course of 300 pages. Uh, yeah. That's a note that I get. Oh, I forgot. We, we will tell those writers that you're yes. referring yeah. to. Yeah. Yes. We will we tell them. We, we all know who you're talking writing. about. Yeah. We all know. The amount of people beginning with M in Martin Chuzzlewit is crazy. <laughs> it ruined the whole thing for me, yeah. I'll be honest. Uh, anybody else got one? Uh, hello, I'm always worried about the number of bedroom doors that you have with locks on. Uh, I've, I've... What? <laughs> have you been to my house? <laughs> oh, in the book. <laughs> I've, I've lived in 23 different houses and none of them have had locks on the bedroom doors. And, and I know it's a useful device for stopping, you know, for allowing the hero to climb out the window and that sort of thing, but just that houses don't have them. I just said, <laughs> this is the only opportunity I'm ever going to get. <laughs> How much 
it annoys me. <laughs> See, I like that. There's, but there's, there's all sorts of things like that, because I think that's absolutely true. There's all sorts of things like that, like how at the start of a book you, you can work out that they're not going to have mobile reception later on in the book because it's going to oh, be important yeah. not to. It's that kind of stuff. But presumably you do have to kind of trick your way into some of those things sometimes. Well, uh, that's why so many books... Whenever you, if you set a book on an island, uh, you find an island to set a book on, and that's going to mean there's probably no CCTV footage and there's no mobile signal, which is the way 99% of crimes are actually solved, you know, really quickly. And you, there's only so many times the copper can go, you know, he looked at his phone, damn it, it was out of battery again, you know, all this kind of stuff. Uh, so when yeah, you, buy but, a charger, mate. Yeah, buy a charger. <laughs> when a you said officer. locks on bedroom doors, I thought you wanted to put into rumour one why, why so often there's very little sex. Why so often we sh we close the bedroom door? I, that's what I thought you were getting onto. That. I think it's because all the women have been murdered. Very oh, yes, right. they're all dead. They're gone. But the guys feel terrible about it. Yeah, he yeah. does feel <laughs> terrible. Absolutely <laughs> terrible. No, that's, I mean, that's, that's nobody, nobody ever lived in a bedroom. Actually, I mean, actually, all the bedrooms in my house have, have locks on the doors, and I want you all to know that. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, though, you do live in America, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> you folks are crazy. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, actually, just as a side point, there that that, that whenever you write, a, when you're talking about um, sex scenes in books, bedroom scenes in books, whenever you write um, a murder scene in a book, you know, a, a killing. Nobody ever comes up to you and says, oh, so that's what you like, is it? <laughs> you put one sex scene in a novel. <laughs> and everybody that reads it, oh, I see. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's you, is it? No, no, that's, that's the character. <laughs> yeah. And then he puts on his latex gloves. No latex. <laughs> I think we've probably got time for one more possibility if we've got no, one more. Oh, yeah, we got one. Somebody oh, lovely. Um, Detectives who are single, middle-aged, middle-class, dishevelled men with alcohol problems. Um, I think almost every single crime novel that I've seen adapted for TV has been turned into one of those. Um, and it just seems to be quite pervasive. I'm waiting for Midsummer Murders just to turn into... To, a, a major alcohol problem within the constabulary because <laughs> um, they've done everything else. I, I, I gave up on Midsummer Murders when somebody was killed with a giant cheese. That's, when I... <laughs> That's it for me, Midsummer. Um, but I, I think that, that a lot of, a lot of uh, when they're made for TV, you know, a lot of them turn out to be, you know, like you say, middle-aged, middle-class um, detectives with a drink problem, mainly because the actors that they get to play them. <laughs> Um, are remarkably similar to that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's never... I mean, the, the, it, there's, a diff, there's a really thin line, to be serious, I think, between a cliché and an archetype. So if I, if I was to say to you I'm talking about a detective who is middle-aged, middle-class, uh, who is haunted by past cases and who's socially dysfunctional, uh, likes music, has issues with drink, maybe drugs, I could be talking about so many detectives and so many writers here this weekend are writing, but actually <laughs> I'm talking about Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> so, you know, not an awful lot has changed oh. in over a century. How about that? You transcended the genre, right? I have transcended the genre. Very well done. Um, thank you so much, everyone, for coming along. I think we're all signing afterwards yes, as well. But for now, yeah. please thank all three panellists. Thank, thank you very much, Harriet. Oh, thank you for listening to this event by Harrogate International Festivals. Don't forget to rate and subscribe for this podcast. For more events, recordings, resources and information about our arts charity, please visit harrogateinternationalfestivals.com. <laughs>